Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hyrith and Other Words podcast. I am your host, Timothy Mangle. And uh, this week we are talking about palm leaves and political revolution. Um, But before we get into that, I just, uh, you know, I want to take a moment right up top to thank my Patreon supporters. Um, I feel like I don't do a good enough job on my episodes or even online really thanking um, people who financially support the show. Um, And whenever I really stop and think about that, it's really like, it's, it's flabbergasting, to use a fun word, um, that people... Um, would invest hard-earned money into something like this. And, um, yeah, I can't begin to describe what that feels like um, other than just to say thank you, and it, it means the world to me. Um, yeah, and I hope you've been enjoying, you know, the bonus stuff that you've been getting and, and yeah, have been finding that useful and uh, something that you enjoy. Speaking of... Um, Starting this week for our Patreon supporters, I'm going to be making a Facebook group. And starting this week, I'm going to be doing the bonus episode of the podcast live in that group. So this week, it'll be Wednesday at 5 p.m. If you're a Patreon supporter, um, yeah, I'll add you to this group and I'll be going live from there. And if you can't make it at that time, don't worry. The uh, video will remain there. And uh, I'm actually going to be recording the audio and putting that up onto the audio feed where the bonus episode is currently located. And uh, this week, I'm on the bonus episode, I'm going to be talking about uh, the, or not this week, well, yeah, this upcoming week, I'm going to be talking about the uh, symbolic significance of the crucifixion um yeah so i'm i'm gonna lay out in a little bit kind of where we're gonna be going the rest of the month with the podcast but as you know at the beginning of april is easter and uh, i'm actually doing this palm sunday um message or whatever you'd want to call it a week out from palm sunday um so i hope you'll forgive me for that but Next week, we have Anthony from Everyday's Interviews with Everyday People coming on. So, um, yeah, I'm sure you'll just, you'll be able to um, forgive me for that. But, uh, yeah, so I've really been thinking about my solo episodes, and something that I've noticed is that I really, I really want to start doing series um, or just, you know, couple of episodes, maybe not necessarily in the row because of the uh, the interviews that go in between or the conversations, whatever you want to call them. But um, yeah, I, I just find it might be a little bit limiting for me personally to just try to do one solo uh, episode on, on one topic. It's, I usually feel like I either have to like just pick a verse and kind of focus on that or a broad topic. And I just figured it would be a little bit easier for me um, and maybe a little bit more fun because we can dive into more stuff if I kind of broke up those things over weeks or, or you know, something like what we're actually going to be starting to do today. So um, I got lucky because I decided to do this around Easter time. And I, I love Easter because it's so symbolically rich. There's just stuff happening. And I know when I say that, the first thing that I kind of thought of was uh, the Easter bunny and eggs. But I, what I mean is more than that is, uh, you know, um, 
uh, Jesus and the, the crucifixion and, and the resurrection and all those those wonderful things and, and Palm Sunday like we're going to talk about today. Um, yeah, so, okay, so before we dive into that, let me just say that this week is about Palm Sunday. The bonus episode uh, next week is, like I said, is about the symbolic significance the symbolic significance of the crucifixion and then um we'll have anthony on and then the next uh solo episode uh i think we'll take no yeah the next solo episode will then be um it will be the continuation of this episode so i know it's going to be a little bit confusing because this is kind of part a of Easter and then part B is af- after Anthony but we're kind of be talking about different things there'll be a little bit of an overlap but like I said this is going to be about Palm Sunday and then the next solo episode uh, is I already have the name of it it's going to be called um, Hope in an Empty Grave so that'll be my Easter episode and uh, yeah so it'll be a little bit of a continuation off of this um, yeah so and then the next uh, bonus episode off of that will be um, just kind of me verbally processing um, whether or not Jesus really rose from the dead and, and what that means. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I just threw out a lot, a lot at you. All that to say, um, it's because I love this time of year. I think it's it's so rich. Um, I think it's yeah, I just think it's it's really good for us to sit and meditate on what these stories are trying to tell us. Um, so yeah, if you want, if any of that sounds interesting, you want to get the bonus episodes, the Patreon is in the description. It's $1 a month. Starting there, you will get, um, yeah, the bonus episode, you will get thrown to that group that I'm making, and then you'll be able to watch and listen to the bonus episodes. And then there's a bunch of other stuff. Uh, yeah, and I feel like I've just been talking about it too long, so go ahead, check that out. Um, but yeah, let's let's do our uh, Palm Sunday sermon a week before Palm Sunday, shall we? <laughs> um, like I said, I hope you don't mind. But uh, yeah, so I how I'm going to approach this is kind of just read from the Bible uh, what what you know the the Palm Sunday story and. Um, and then I think we're going to kind of jump back a little bit. And by kind, I mean we're going to jump back a little bit. But uh, yeah, before we go there, let's just let's just read this story. So I'm going to be reading this from Matthew chapter 21. And uh, yeah. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethlehem, to the Mount of Olives, Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill that which was spoken by the prophets, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them and put their cloaks on them, and he sat upon them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and the others cut 
uh, branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and then and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. <laughs> Galilee. Um, yeah, so... I wanted to tell you that story without any context because it's just a, 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 a weird story. <laughs> I was thinking about it today and I'm like, you know, if you, if I was one of the people in the crowd, it seems like one of those moments in a movie where there would be like a record screeching and then being like, hey, that's me. How did I get here? And then like this wacky thing unfolds. Um, because yeah, you just have this weird scene where these, and again, let's, I'm trying to look at it without like the words like the disciple or Jesus or Messiah or any of these things, but just looking at like, from kind of stepping outside of the narrative and just looking at what's happening. And what you see is these people taking their coats and they're throwing them on a donkey. And I mean, they're stealing a donkey and then they throw their coats on them. And then they're cutting down uh, palm leaves from trees and laying them on the ground along with their coats. And, you know, this man is coming into the biggest, you know, the capital of Israel and there's this crowd of people yelling, Hosanna to son of David, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it's just this wild scene. Like, like again, like, with no context around, it's just like, well, well what's happening here? And I think that, you know, that's the, the question that I'm I, I'm trying to, to get to here is, how, how did this happen? How did these people get to this place where they're, they're shouting Hosanna, whatever that means, at this man who's riding on a donkey. <laughs> Do I sound passionate? Because I feel passionate. I actually got very excited uh, thinking about uh, this today and, and planning this out. So let's let's get into it. The re okay, so let's let's dive back in here because I know not everyone is super familiar with Christian lore and Christian thought and all of those things. So. Jesus is believed to be the, the Messiah that was promised in Old Testament text. So in the Old Testament or the Jewish Bible, um, the Torah, whatever you'd want to call it, they had these prophecies about a coming Messiah. And um, I think people are aware of that aspect of, of Jesus, that there was, you know, that he had prophecies about him. And I mean, even in this, the scripture that we read, it talked about how it, you know, that he did things to fulfill prophecies. Um, but I, I think less people know that, that the, the Jewish interpretation of the Messiah was less one of a spiritual Messiah. And again, the word Messiah meaning, you know, anointed one or leader or sent by God, what it, however you would kind of um, uh, name that, that way of being or phrase or, or whatever. So the... For the Jewish people, this Messiah was less of a spiritual um, figure and more of a political figure. 
Um, I feel like not a lot of people know that about the history of, of surrounding Jesus, that he was actually believed. Well, again, this is going off of the belief of whether or not you believe Jesus is actually the Jewish Messiah, you know, the or the Messiah prophesied and promised in Jewish texts, which you know anyone who's a Christian they they believe that whether you know it or not, but that's actually ingrained into the story of Christianity. Um, and again, the the Jewish individuals believed, and this is you know in part why people. Uh, modern day Jews, and I can't speak for all of them, obviously, but don't necessarily, you know, look towards Jesus as the Messiah because he was more of a spiritual revolutionist rather than a political revolutionist. I feel like I'm just going a mile a minute, but I hope you're uh, with me for the ride. So, okay, so why was he? Why was he believed to be political? And the the answer to that is actually in that text. So. You see these people, they say, you know, Hosanna to to the son of David. Now, who is David? David was the first, first, let's say first true king of Israel. There was a king who came prior to him, but he wasn't a good bloke. And uh, so traditionally in, in Jewish history, David is viewed as like the real, the king, because his lineage is the one that was king over um, Israel up until the point of them getting taken into exile by the Babylonians and whenever that happened. So every king that was king over Israel was from the line of David. So as these prophecies came about, of course, they would naturally, you know, they're trying to show that the person that's going to, to come and to lead them onto greatness is this this great figure. So of course, for the Jewish people, it's He's from the line of David, and that's you know what the prophecies are, depending on how you feel about prophecies. But the prophecies foretold that the coming of the Jewish Messiah would be from the line of David. So obviously, there's this natural in, in, implication that he was going to be a political figure. Now, how does this become relative to um, the people shouting Hosanna and throwing their coats on a donkey? So these people would have grown up hearing stories all about the Messiah. They would have it would have been something that was preached in their temples. It would have been something that they, you know, prayed for and hoped for because Israel has, you know, even you know, Israel as a nation was born out of slavery, right? If we take the the biblical narrative to be true or the actual history, they were a people who were formed in slavery and then brought out, out of that, became their own nation. And then, you know, a king rose up out of that, David. And, you know, eventually down the line, Israel gets, uh, like I said, um, taken over. They're taken into exile. The, you know, the whole temple gets decimated by the, the Babylonians. And then after that time, there's, I mean, I'm rushing through literally thousands of years of history. Um, the Jewish people were no longer allowed to have a king over them. And that was because of the people who released them from exile and the eventually what would become the Roman government. Both of those people had power over Israel. Again, this is all within the biblical narrative. Uh, less so the Roman stuff, but more so the uh, the Babylonian exile and all these things. 
and I'm I'm sorry I'm just rushing through this, but I'm I'm trying to get to a point. Um, yeah, so Israel wasn't after exile wasn't allowed to have their king. So again, there is this you now now there's this deeper sense of oh, of course this Messiah is going to be a political figure because we no longer have a political leader. We're at the whims of the Babylonians or the Assyrians or the, the Romans. Just, you know, we, we no longer are, are in charge of our own people. And that's a problem. And, you know, so then now we're at, we're up to... <laughs> Jesus's time, modern day Israel, right? Or, or the time in which Jesus was in Israel and they're being ruled very harshly by the Roman Empire. And um, yeah, they're, they're being taxed out the wazoo. How <laughs> oh, good. I'm so happy I used that word. Yeah, but they're, they're being taxed heavily. They're being worked really hard. They're, you know, they're, they're not allowed to practice their religion as freely as they want to in, in all of these problems. Um, so like I'm saying that there's this natural building, this tension, right? Because between the time of Jesus and the first prophecy about him, I'm going to say there was probably, a, you know, anywhere from 3000 to 2000 years, somewhere in that area. That's a long time. And, you know, okay. So why did this figure become more and more built up and more and more political over time? And think of it this way. And again, and the reason I'm saying more political over time is because the initial prophecies about this coming Messiah weren't in, uh, overtly, um, how would you say, political, but they were more of a, a figure of um, both spiritual and political liberation, which is what Jesus was um, and is. So, um, oh boy, I feel like I just I just went all over the place and and lost my spot let's go back to the story so you have you have jesus show up on this scene and again he shows up on a scene that's heavily oppressed that's heavily these people are burdened people they're they're people who are you know the the average person doesn't have much money they don't have much access to food it's it's not a good time and i, I was thinking about this today Jesus' first thing that he, according to the, the Gospel of Matthew, which I just read from, the, for, the first thing of his public ministry that he proclaims is, blessed are the poor. And um, along with that is, you know, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. These are some of the first things that Jesus says in his public ministry. Now, think again, if you're a hungry, oppressed individual, and you hear this man come along, and, and I would assume with a, a, a glint in his eye and a joy in his heart saying, Blessed are the poor, and the meek shall inherit the earth. These are beautiful things for oppressed and poor people to hear. And I'm not saying that that, does, that makes them not true, because it is true. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. So, of course, these people begin to be sucked into this idea of is this the messiah is this the political revolutionist that will come and get rid of all oppression and become our king and lead us on to a time of of great glory and and all of these things that were prophesied about him 
And they, so, you know, they, they start thinking that and then they're, they're working with Jesus, the, you know, because it talks about the disciples and they're doing ministry together. And, you know, Jesus is, I think this is very important because I think in modern Christianity that there's a disconnect between De- Jesus's, I almost called him Jesus's, from Jesus's teaching and Jesus's death and resurrection. Now, for me, and the reason I say that is because I think a lot of Christians would point to Jesus and say that the the main purpose of his life was to show people how to love or how to be a good person or something along those lines. And then the death and the resurrection has something... <laughs> something just fell off my wall. It's okay. Don't worry about it. But they'll say that the uh, the death and resurrection aspect has more to do with this, the sacrificial imagery or this... Um, yeah, the sins forgiveness aspect. But I, I really struggle with, because, you know, like I said, I, as someone who's come out of the, that Christian world, I definitely did have this uh, cognitive dissonance between, well, why did Jesus, why did his death and resurrection look so different from this, this time of just preaching love or how to be a good person? And that's when I really started to understand that that Jesus's teachings were ones to, where they were callings to death and resurrection. So let's let's think about that for a second. There's we all know that Jesus says that you have to forgive your your forgive those who trespass against you. That's a death and and a resurrection. You're dying to the part of you that doesn't want to acknowledge that you've been or or. You're, you're dying to the part of you that wants to prove that it's right. And you're being reborn to this person that's forgiving and, and more gracious. So, or uh, again, the idea of giving to those who ask, or, you know, if you have two coats, give one to someone who doesn't have any. These are all ways of being that invoke death and rebirth. And so... I think that that's important and something that we can look back into Jesus's teaching and see that that's what he's trying to do. Because as it will become apparent with the disciples is that they didn't get it. They did. I think every person who studies the Bible realizes this is that the disciples up until, you know, a couple of months post um, Jesus's uh, resurrection and ascension, they they didn't understand what he was about. Um, and the reason was is because they continually were waiting for this singular figure of Christ to go and overthrow somehow the Roman tyrate or tyrannical government that was over them and rise to be their king. And that's, that's what they were expecting. So when Whenever you read the Bible or whenever you hear a story about the disciples, remember that that is the thing that's sitting in the back of their mind. You know, we have this very spiritual and, you know, God version of of Jesus. But when the disciples are coming at Jesus, they're not really thinking about him. That's in that aspect, because that's again, that's a that's a in the future looking back on the situation. um, Jesus. But yeah. The Jesus that these people were interacting with 
was one that they believed would be a political revolutionist, would come and be their king, and, yeah, lead them out of oppression. And Jesus knew that that's how these people viewed him. And I want to be clear here that I don't necessarily think that those individuals were entirely wrong. I think they missed the point, and I think they... I, I do believe that they understood this later, but at the time of this story, I believe that the disciples were like, listen, like, again, like I've been saying this whole time, this Jesus guy is going to rise up and be our king. And I do believe that Jesus is the king of the Christian, meaning that we submit to that authority and that that is who we answer to first. Um, and yeah, and that, that the embodying of Christ is more important than the worldly things around us and it's it's more important to embody that energy than it is to be an american or a christian or, or the, those other things okay so let's get to this story first okay so now the question becomes well why is jesus and the disciples why are they coming to jerusalem um and why is it happening uh, now again this is happening a week before his his crucifixion. So if Jesus is coming in on a Sunday, he gets crucified on a Friday. And he gets, you know, so that's four and a half, five days that he spends in this town. And yeah, let's not go too far into that, but it takes four and a half to five days of, and again, if this is a real person happening in time and space, try to wrap your mind around this. He he did such radical things in those four and a half to five days that the only consensus by the people in charge was that we need to crucify this individual because he is such a radical, radical individual. Um, I'm not really planning on getting into kind of the things that happened in that week, but I would heavily encourage you read read between from Matthew 21 onwards because there's a lot of beautiful imagery of him talking about what real spirituality looks like and and what you know fake staunch you know religion looks like and how to decipher between the two. That's a lot of what Jesus talks about in his last days is what true religion or true spirituality looks like. Now before we get there, I kind of just jumped ahead. Um, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem because the week of his crucifixion is what is celebrated as is Passover in Jewish uh, tradition. That is a celebratory time of the time that um, Moses uh, told the people how to have, you know, the, oh, I don't feel like going back and explaining this whole story, but it goes, it's a, um, it's a story that's found in the Bible that has something to do with Moses and a cloud of death coming over people, and they put blood on the door frames, and the cloud of death passed over them, hence the name Passover. And then every year in Jewish tradition, they celebrate this time. So that is why Jesus and his disciples are coming into Jerusalem, because they're about to celebrate this the Passover, this time where God was merciful by letting his people know that uh, he was going to come through and kill everybody who didn't have blood on their uh, door frames. We can get into that at some other time. 
So, you have this rabbi, this potential messiah figure. He's about to come into this town to celebrate um, the Passover, the you know the biggest festival, arguably in in Jewish history or Jewish tradition, and. He tells them that he wants to enter the town by riding in on a donkey. And I I love it because I, in the Bible, this section is usually called or, or titled uh, the triumphant entry. And I really love it because I know that that's what the Christians call it. And that's what the the disciples call it. But I don't necessarily know if that's what Jesus would have called it. Yes, I believe that he was coming into this town and he was becoming king through his, his resurrection and all those things. But I believe that Jesus, again, through his teachings and through his, you know, his birth and, and everything was trying to show the disciples that lowliness is next to godliness and that it is godliness and that there's something so superb and so transcendent about lowliness. And again, that's, that's, that's the prophecy that he talked about being fulfilled here, was that you, so your, your king would come in on a donkey so that you could see this lowliness and this meekness. Now, why is that important? Again, these figures who were yelling out, Hosanna, say... That's what okay. So the word Hosanna means save me. So they're they're literally crying out. They're, again, get these get get this image in your head. There's poor Middle Eastern people crying out, "Save me!" to a man who's riding on a donkey. It's it's an incredible scene, and because it's not one that you would expect. If you were expecting a a king to come into this town and to reign as your supreme political leader, he wouldn't come in on a donkey that didn't have cushions for him to sit on, that that they wouldn't need to take off their coats and probably stand there naked because they only had one coat and throw it over these donkeys and this donkey and to throw it on the ground and just to have him walk over it. It's I love it because it's so human and it's so personal and it's so small and you can you can feel the dust that being kicked up in the air and you can you know see the dry tears or the tears coming down the dry cheeks of these individuals because again they wanted to be saved they they needed the help they they were looking for this person to be their savior and he just goes riding in on a donkey. <laughs> it's so unexpected. And it's so crazy. And it and it's an echo of everything that he's been teaching them so far. And they still, they don't see it. And he's like, listen, man, it's about lowliness. It's about taking up your cross. And, and, and if you want the world to be better... Go and make it better. The world doesn't get better by hoping and praying. I mean, it, it does to some degree. Those are motivators, and, and they can change things. But ultimately, what happens is that you have to put your hand to the plow. You have to sit on the donkey and ride into your crucifixion. There's, there's no other choice. You have to get involved with the muck. 
And I feel like today this rings so very true and, and just as true as the disciples then is they're, they're crying out, save me, save me, save me. And this guy's like, I'm just riding by. I'm going to tell you some really great stuff. And then I'm going to get the shit beat out of me and I'm going to die. And it, it, it's so subversive of what these people thought was going to happen. And, yeah, I don't want to jump too far in, but the meekness of it all, the, the okay, so I'm getting so passionate and so excited. Why do we call it Palm Sunday? So, again, the narrative is, is that the disciples, they cut off some palm leaves and laid them on the path that, that Jesus was coming in on. Now, why palm leaves? Palm leaves are especially in that time, were very significant of victory or triumph. They showed this thing of you're a winner, essentially. You're, you're saying this is, you know, and again, they're trying to make this this grand proclamation of Jesus entering, this, this new king coming in. And I was thinking about this imagery today, right? Okay, so see if you can follow along with me. I believe in you guys. You've been doing great so far. Um. So you have Jesus, who again is is narratively symbolic of God, who is riding a donkey, which is narratively symbolic of, of lowliness, walking across palm leaves, which are significant of victory. And then you have individuals being lowly and crying out, save me, save me. And so you have this beautiful overlap or this convergence rather of divinity riding in on lowliness and lowliness offering up divinity or, or victory or triumph or, or symbolisms of you know of whatever and they're they're meeting every time the hoof presses down on one of the leaves and it's it's this beautiful coming together of lowliness and divinity and I I just can't get enough of that because it's the beauty of the Christian message. It's, it's this, this idea of you know you, you want God and this big grandiose thing. Well, guess what? It's it's the thing on the donkey. It's it's the lowliness. It's the meekness. It's it's not this figure that's gonna come and make you the supreme and reigning group over everything in your way. It's it's supreme. That's, that's not the heart of God, apparently. Apparently, the heart of God is meekness and riding on a donkey. And, yeah, being, being so close. He, you know, Jesus, by all rights and merits, he could have sat in a, you know, a beautiful big carriage and, and been carried in by horses and, and whatever. But he wanted to be close to, these, to the people who were crying in the dirt. And that's the glory of it all, that God, that the divine, it's not in this far off, you know, hidden place, but it's in the dirt, it's in the sweat, it's in the tears, it's riding on a donkey to its death. And that is the beauty of Palm Sunday, of, of showing this, this radiant meekness and how being humble and how just deciding to do what is right when it's right in front of you 
it'll save the world. <laughs> I don't think I have anything else to say. My only prayer for your, for me and for you is that I I pray that we would understand our divinity through meekness. What I mean by that is that what we know to be true and right and pure and honest in our heart would be emanated out into the world through people who aren't out to win it, but are out to just be the best versions of themselves and to, to shine as much light as possible. Yeah. I feel like every time I do a podcast, every time, every time, I instantly set press stop and then I think about like everything I wish that I could say or whatever um, or you know things I wish I would have said differently or, or how, whatever so I'm not going to go back into this I feel like I, I landed at a good spot so I think we're going to wrap it up for now um, but yeah what you're looking for is close by Palm Sunday everybody it's next week but we're celebrating it today Oh, thanks for coming along. I feel like I was very positive and high energy this episode, so let me know what you think about that. Let me know, uh, yeah, just what you thought about this, if it makes sense. Oh, see, now uh, this is me starting to want to go back into the episode and, and make sure everything I said was clear. Um, Yeah, so thanks for coming along and listening, everybody. If you want uh, more Patreon stuff, you want uh, more bonus episodes, doing live chats, whatever, my mom and I are actually going to be doing a class on the 31st of this month about um, starting a new life and Easter and how those things coincide. Um, and so that's on Patreon as well. So if you want that, sign up for that. But yeah, guys, I really appreciate, you know, uh, we just passed 800 just audio listens and that's not including video. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm genuinely blown away. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I only want to do this more, and I only want to do it better. So let me know how I can do that. Um, yeah. I just ask that uh, you would love your neighbor as yourself, and that you would love yourself. Goodbye, everybody.